Before we get started, I want to talk about sponsors that help make this show possible. I've partnered with swimming companies that can serve our international audience. I'd like to introduce our newest sponsor, Swim Angelfish. Swim Angelfish is an online certification program that strengthens your teaching curriculum to serve swimmers of all abilities. Swim Angelfish will prepare you and your instructors with the skills to teach swimmers with autism, physical disabilities, anxiety, sensory and motor conditions, and more. Learn to teach skills faster and with more comfort with Swim Angelfish. Apply for an only alpha pool product scholarship and receive up to 50% off your certification. Go to swimangelfish.com today to apply. One of the best ways to build power in the pool is by using a tower. I got introduced to Chuck Destro. Because of the way Chuck designed them, they can break down and ship in a much smaller box so they can ship anywhere in the world for a reasonable price. Use code BRETT at checkout and save $150 on a double swim tower. That means if you order two, you can save $300. Order four, save $600. Go to destromachines.com to get your team stronger in the water today. Looking to host your first swim meet or replacing an old timing system? Run a swim meet with ease from your laptop using superior swim timing. You can use superior swim timing with your existing equipment, or they can provide you with a complete timing solution, including deck harnesses, buttons, and starter. SST is fully compatible with HiTech and Team Unify, as well as Colorado, Dactronics, and Amiga touchpads. Go to superiorswimtiming.com to learn more and be sure to tell them I sent you. Are you in need of a pace clock? Looking to finally upgrade those ancient analog clocks? The Swim Nerd Pace Clock is the most innovative digital pace clock. Go to swimpractice.com to check it out. Welcome to Swimming's Best Talk Show. Gonna learn all the things that Brett Hawk knows as he has a chat with his guests about what it takes to be the best. But the sport's about more than just best times. It's winning the battle against your mind. So listen in and let's take a dive with Brett Hawk as we go inside. All right, Olympic gold medalist, Bo Becker. Welcome to the podcast, mate. How are you? Thanks. Thanks for having me, Brett. Mate, uh, first off, congratulations on the performance in Tokyo. Uh, outstanding, mate. Thank you. I really appreciate that. Now, you have an incredible story. I mean, it's just wild. I, I don't think there was anybody necessarily that would have picked you in the final four in on that relay, um, you know, even, even weeks before the games, but especially a year or two out. I mean, um, you, you really came from nowhere in terms of um, how you got onto that relay team. And so I, I really want to share your story with people today because it's just incredible, right? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So so let's go back. Um, where did where did it start for you um, in terms of your your Olympic dream? Where did it originally start? Um, I would say probably like uh, 2016 trials. Uh, I went into the meet like 80th in the 50 free and like 80th in the hundred I placed okay in the hundred. I think I was like 30th or 40th or something. So I had good time drops, but the 50, I got like 12th and I was 18 year old. You know, I 
barely got into college. Uh, I got lucky with my recruiting out in Minnesota. Um, so I didn't really know what I was doing. I just was trying to swim fast, right? So uh, that was when the, the thought kind of was planted in my mind, like, you know, maybe I can actually do something, something like this. Maybe I can make the team in 2020. Uh, who was your coach at the time? Where were you swimming? In, in college? Or no, in- like at, at that stage, at 18, at, at the Olympic trials. Um, I had just finished my freshman year at Minnesota. So Gideon, Gideon Lowe was my, my, uh, my coach, uh, for my first three years there. So he was the one that was really developing my sprinting skills because, you know, I had no idea what I was doing in any sort of way for sprinting because of, uh, my club team back in high school, all distance we did, you know, 70 to 90,000 yards a week, um, I am all those awful sets that you can imagine, you know, I did it all. So like, I, I didn't know what I was doing when it came to sprinting. So Gideon was the one who kind of showed me the way and started really developing my like sprint skills. So we have a little connection, you and I then, cause I coached Gideon and then Gideon went on to coach you. So that's uh, yeah. all uh, Kevin Bacon, seven degrees of separation there, is it? <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's pretty cool. Now, what what are some of the things that Gideon was showing you that you'd never done before that were kind of eye-opening to you? Um, pretty much just everything we did was fast. You know, it was like we have the days where we did aerobic work and all that, but just to kind of keep that aerobic capacity there. But everything we did was fast. Like every week we did something in the, in the lines of 3,100s max on 130. This is short course yards, but, um, you know, sometimes we do like five rounds of six ones or, uh, 10, 10 rounds of three ones or three rounds of 10. Um, but they were always maxed. Uh, it was once a week, every week. Um, so that was something that I had never done before and it just absolutely destroyed me, but it was good. And it, it developed that, that, level of intensity so you when you raced you didn't experience any sort of pain like you do in practice on those and then um probably another big one was just power anything power i didn't i've never done it before so like racks towers i didn't know what weight i was supposed to put it on um runner dives um just anything with shoots you name it i didn't do any of that wow Wow. Now, was this uh, an adjustment for your body? How long did it take to figure this type of training out? Um, it took almost my entire freshman year, I would say. I would say by the time we finished training camp um, in like January, middle of January that that year, which is uh, this was 2016 now, I was starting to get a little bit more of a hang of it, started to feel a little bit more natural per se in those practices started to feel a little bit more normal but those first few months were were awful especially because i really had never lifted too much um i came into my freshman year i was six three 155 pounds so i was literally i mean i'm, I'm a stick anyways but i was literally a stick like wow. so i gained like 27 pounds my freshman year um yeah it was just a ton of different things kind of coming together so by January, I felt more at home. 
Was there a focus on strength training as well during those periods of time? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. We had a very hardcore, uh, weights coach who was overlooked by Cal Dietz. Uh, Cal is pretty well known in the, the strength and conditioning world. Uh, he works with our hockey athletes here in Minnesota quite a bit, but yeah, we, we were doing some crazy, crazy stuff, you know, like, uh, just stuff I had never done before, like oscillation work and um, all sorts of other stuff that I didn't even know existed until I came here. So you go to the Olympic trials, you finish 12. What times did you swim in both the 50 and 100 at that stage? Uh, I was a 22 – I think I was a 22.3 or 22.4 in the 50. Okay. And then a 49, like 49.7, I think, maybe in the 100. That's pretty good for an 18 year old. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I had never gone to a national meet. I had never done anything crazy. And then all of a sudden I'm swimming in front of 12, 13,000 people. So I was kind of just feeling it out. Um, just going through the experience, you know, not really expecting much. So if you finish 12th, then you obviously made the semifinals in the 53. What's it like to actually make it back to that finals? night where you get an experience being with you know the other 16 fastest swimmers in the country there i mean at the time it was it was crazy for me i remember i did before i dove in the water that night my heart rate was already at like 170 180 you know my heart was beating out of my chest i thought i was already swimming before i even dove in so like it was it was actually good looking back getting that type of experience just swimming in a final just in general at night in front of all those people with all those guys you look up to, you know, you have the Anthony Irvin, Nathan Adrian, um, all those guys that I looked up to, uh, and you're swimming right next to them, you know, as an 18 year old, it's kind of, kind of a lot to take in, but it was really good for me because I came into 2020, technically 2021 and just felt at home, knew what I needed to do. Yeah. I mean, it's definitely worth having that experience to go the first time and then coming back and being able to. So then you, you get through your freshman year. What does that mean now then for the next couple of years in terms of where you are as an athlete, how you identify yourself as, as a sprinter now on the, on the national scene? Um, to be honest, it wasn't too much of a, um, a focus for me for a while. Um, I was just trying to get faster and obviously to, to get faster, you need to swim through those summer months and keep working to try to get better. I was really focusing on the college season, trying to get faster, short course yards, um, just trying to develop in any way possible. Um, and then it would kind of follow with long course. But the problem for me was I actually live with rheumatoid arthritis. So my, my body attacks itself pretty much. So I can get swollen joints, swollen knees, swollen ankles, um, and a lot of the time I could kind of manage it throughout the season, at least the college season. And then once I got into long course season, I usually would swell up, have all these problems. I couldn't practice here and there, you know, it's just incredibly painful. So, uh, I never really ended up doing too, too well long course. That's why everyone thought I was a, a short course swimmer deep down. I knew I was a long course swimmer because my turns are pretty bad. Um, and my underwaters are non-existent. I swim faster than most of these guys in the water, uh, except for probably like Dressel and Chalmers, in my opinion. It's just the fact of being in shape and actually getting off the blocks and all the details, pretty much.
Right. Now, when, when did this start? When did you get the rheumatoid arthritis and, and how do you manage it with medication? Yeah, so it started when I was 11, but that's actually why I got into the sport. I, I was playing lacrosse. I was playing tennis. I really liked those. Um, everyone was like saying, you need to play basketball. So I was planning on that. And uh, I tore my meniscus in a PE class. It was an easy surgery, got it fixed. And uh, it ended up just being super swollen. And the doc was like, you need to get tested for rheumatoid. I don't know what else this could be. Like you should have been healed, you know, three weeks ago. I was like, okay. Sure enough, I found out I did. The rheumatologist at the time said, all you can do is swim. No more running, no more jumping, no high impact activities. And so obviously that broke me. So there was a long period of time where I was just trying to find like somewhat decent drugs that could help me out. The reason I had such success once I got to college though was because I was able to go on an immunosuppressant drug. So I got to go on the biologics because they don't want to prescribe you that until you're 18. So mm -hmm. I ended up doing that and uh, that, that changed my life. You know, I was able to actually like do a lot of these practices without much pain, you know, get, uh, get through it, the pain of the actual practice instead of dealing with the pain of the practice and your knees and your ankles, whatever you're going through at the time. So, um, yeah, it was kind of a process. Was there any point where people put limits on you where they said, you know, you'll never be able to do this or you'll never be able to do that? Or or was it like, hey, we don't know where this is going to end up? What was it for you? Uh, I had a lot of good coaches throughout the years, you know, like they 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 saw my potential. They saw my natural feel for the water. Um, so they knew I could do it. It was just a matter of staying healthy. Like my head coach just was always like, you know, just focus on staying healthy, just focus on staying healthy, especially this past year leading up into trials, I was just really focusing on trying not to do anything too crazy. So I even took back weights a little bit. I didn't do as much in the weight room so that I could make sure that my knees were going to be okay by the time I hit trials and hopefully Olympics, right? Yeah. You said something interesting earlier where you said, you know, you went through the college season, but then you put your time in over the summer. I think that's so crucial for for young kids to understand, especially, um, you know, the, the college season is very intense, but where you're going to make your moves is during the summer and doing that work that yeah. most people don't want to put in. Right. Absolutely. And, and the, I think the biggest thing is like learning how your body reacts to all that. Obviously some freshman in college is not going to know what's good for their body. What's not good for their body. Um, at least not a lot of them. Um, but I think, the, it's, it's just so important. Like you need to understand this is a year round sport. There is maybe two to three weeks out of the year that you take time off and that's it. And people make mistakes saying, Oh, I worked this hard all season. You know, I'm good. I can take two months off. But in reality, it takes so long to get back into shape that it just, you're wasting your time at that point. Yeah. Now, you said Gideon worked with you for three years. It must have been tough when he took another job. And then what happened in that in-between then? Who, who took over and what was it like in that transition? So, um, yeah, I, I found out summer going into my senior year that he accepted the job at uh, Auburn. And I, I was happy for him at the time, but I was very upset because, you know, Gideon and I had worked well together. It was going to be my senior year. Um, 
but uh, I chatted with him and we made sure that, you know, I need to stay at Minnesota because this is where my friends are. Everything's here. I don't need to go just for my senior year to Auburn. So the plan was just stay at Minnesota for the year. I trained with uh, the head coach, Kelly Kramer. Uh, he's the one who recruited me. So I know he, he believed in me and uh, it actually worked out pretty well. We, we uh, understood each other and I, I got second at NCAAs, fourth fastest performer in history. And um, yeah, I mean, that was fun. I tried going to Auburn after I graduated and uh, I went there for, I was there for about nine months after I graduated and then COVID hit. And this brings into the part where it's kind of interesting. So COVID hit, everything shut down. So I, there was nothing for me in Auburn really, you know, everyone had gone home. So I was like, okay, I'll just head home for a bit and kind of reevaluate what I'm going to do here. And uh, then I lost my spot in ISL. And obviously a lot of people know there's not much money in the professional swimming world unless you're no, you know, one of those top guys. And at the time I was not, I had a lot to prove to people. So lost my spot and um, just ended up staying at home. And uh, for the next six months, I was out of the water. I did not touch the water. I did not do anything. Put on some beer weight, you know, just have that nice mental reset. <laughs> and uh, I actually got a call from Jason Lezak, um about six months into that, that break. And he's like, hey, um, I think I'm going to have a spot for you if you're still in shape because the Australians can't go um, – or at least they don't want to go because then, you know, there was that issue with the government not wanting them to go during COVID. So I was like, yeah, I'm in shape. Let's do it. So uh, literally as soon as I found out I could swim for ISL and have that, that financial backing, I drove straight to Minnesota because I, I knew if I was going to go back to swimming, it wasn't going to be at Auburn. This wasn't the greatest fit for me. I had friends here I could live with. Um, work with Kelly, you know, Kelly and I get along great now. So I moved right back here, trained for three weeks and then went straight to ISL and tried to compete against the best in the world. <laughs> uh, seven months off and three weeks in the water. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Did, did anybody question you when you turned up like, oh wow, maybe he's not in the type of shape we think he is? Uh, oh yeah. Well, uh, I remember John T. Skinner was our coach at the time for uh, last season. He looks at me, he's like, so you're not in shape, are you? I'm like, not really. <laughs> <laughs> I definitely was kind of fat, had some beer weight, not as much muscle. Um, so that was an interesting time. But, I mean, uh, I swam okay. I didn't swim great, obviously. Um, I was happy with it, considering how long I'd been out. So I ended up just kind of using it as training camp, um, just training with all the best sprinters and uh, I got to train with some of the NC State guys there, and it just kind of got me in that mental state where I just really wanted to work and uh, just pulling whatever I could from the coaching staff, um, tips, you know, rebuilding my stroke, trying to get that feel back. Um, but then after that, I just got back to Minnesota and put my head down. Was there anything specific you learned in that period of time, like being around other professional athletes? I think this is kind of a dream for most swimmers that there, there are professional leagues now, like we can, you can go around to different 
venues and be around other professional athletes. So for you, you know, being in that environment, finally, what did you pick up that is interesting to you? Well, I mean, the biggest thing I think is just um, the mentality that goes with it. Um, you know, you're, you're swimming with all the best swimmers combined in the world that are not in college. Right. So I think it was just a good experience for me, especially once I got to Olympics, you know, like I was a newbie, right. But it didn't feel like I was a newbie. Um, felt right at home. Felt like this was just another international meet that I've been to. Hadn't done a long course international meet, but it's all the same, right? It's all the same pool, same distance. Um, just at a different pool in a different country. So you come back from ISL and I guess it's just all guns blazing into Olympic trials. What are some of the things you did well that you're proud of or some of the things that you remember during that period of time between ISL and Olympic trials that kind of enabled you to finally get on this team? Well, the biggest thing was just trial and error. Like I've had so many problems with knees and uh, my rheumatoid throughout the years. It was trial and error for a long time. And finally I kind of, have gotten my hold on what I can do, what I can't do, how much is too much, how much is too little. So um, I had a good thing with Kelly, you know, if I was feeling way too, too uh, broken down, I'd be like, hey, I'm not feeling the, the best. Let me just sleep in this morning. Mm -hmm. I ended up just skipping practice, sleep in, come back that afternoon and just absolutely murder the practice because I actually gave myself that time to recover to where my body could do what I needed to do. Cause I told, I told, I tell everyone, I told my parents, like, I'm not doing this to just swim. I'm doing it to make the team. I'm doing it to do well at the Olympics. If I make the team, right. That yeah. was the goal from the start. And that's, that's a big thing for me is like, I told myself, you know, I'm going to do this 110% every time I'm in the water. Like I don't want to be there and give 70, 75%, you know, mm half in, half out. I'm not, because I've done that before and obviously you don't get results. Right. And so that was the biggest thing for me is just learning my body, knowing when to say no and knowing that, you know, every time I'm at the pool, I need to, I need to be at 110% because all these guys that are already up here, they can afford that. I'm down here and I need to prove something. So I need to show, show that in practice daily so that I can catch up to those guys. Was Kelly catching on to that too? Like, was he seeing some things out of you? Like, wow, you're really setting the bar high now, man. This is this is good stuff. Absolutely, yeah. Um, you know, I'd have these practices every once in a while. You know, every sprinter is kind of doing this throughout the weeks. But um, I just have that occasional practice every once in a while where, where Kelly's like, holy shit. Like, wow. Like, that was awesome. Like, let's, let's kill it tomorrow. Um, but just in general, he, he, um, trusted me, which is a big thing. I think trust is huge with a swimmer and a coach. Um, a lot, if you don't have a coach that trusts you when you say you're dead and they just kill you more, you're just digging yourself a deeper grave. Um, especially when, you know, you're, you are giving it a hundred percent, you know, a lot of times if you're giving 70%, maybe a coach is like, yeah, you weren't trying that hard. We'll, we'll, we'll keep it. We'll keep it going. So yeah. I had that trust between me and Kelly to where we could do that. Yeah. 
No, I'm a big believer in that, mate. I think that's why Bruno uh, Fratis and, and I have had success over an extended period of time because we, we figured out what works for him, exactly what you're saying, you know, when to push and when not to. Uh, he communicates so well. That sometimes I make adjustments based on his communication, you know, yeah. on the spot. So I think that's key when it comes to sprinting is, you know, working when you need to work because there's no doubt you can't get around the work. You've got to go and you got to you got to work hard. Um, and you got to swim fast, basically. You have to swim fast in practice. And then you got to recover, man. You have to recover. These things are key to, to consistent speed. And, and this is the point I'm trying to get across to a lot of people. I'm so glad you've tapped into this too, man, because this is so crucial to fast swimming, I think. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it took me a real long time to figure it out. But uh, once you actually do it, uh, you can kind of you, – you start to see it in your swimming, right? Um, but then again, like I don't, I don't swim well in season. I, I'm not one of those guys. I need my rest. I need my shave. And once I have those, I am, I feel unstoppable. You know, I, I finish a 53. I'm like, let's do it again. Like, but I mean, in season, I really have to force it, not feeling that great. So it's hard for me to gauge where I'm at, but at the same time, like you, you've got to know where you're at and you're practicing. It doesn't necessarily have to show at all the meets you're at. Um, just you have to kind of go by how you're practicing, how you're doing. That's at least for me. So were you in the lead up to Olympic trials, were you aiming primarily for the hundred? Yes. Right? Okay. Now, did you yeah. have a number in your head where you like, this is what I think is going to be top six? Uh, I really thought, uh, top six was going to be about 48, Oh, 47, nine, uh, trying to just pad it a little bit. Um, so I'm glad it was where it was at because I wouldn't have made that. But um, that was kind of the goal that I wanted. I wanted 48 or faster. Uh, so I was close. I think I was 47.2 or something like that. So, or 42, 42, not 47.2. 42. 42. Um, so what I was, did you end up placing at Charles? I ended up placing fifth. I was the last guy to make it for the relay. Uh, unfortunately, oh, Ryan was up our, our cap on relay swimmers. Right, right, yeah. Um, talk to me about the the progression between prelims, semis, and finals. Let's go through that. Uh, you, you go into the prelims. How are you feeling right before that swing? Uh, I was feeling good. You know, I I had my expectations high, right? But at the same time, I didn't know what I could do. I hadn't I hadn't raced much. You know, I had gone to a few two hour pro series, so I was able to get some long course racing under my belt. But at the same time, I hadn't rested since 2019 nationals. So I had no clue what I was capable of. I just knew I had to go fast. Right. Um, so through prelims, semifinals, and finals, I was actually able to get faster each time I swam it just because I was learning something new each time. Like, okay, maybe not do this. All right, don't breathe here. Be a little quicker off the blocks here, you know. So that was kind of awesome. I got to swim the best time each time I swam it. Well, I think that's that's crucial too for any sprinter that wants to end up on a team or on a podium. I think getting faster each swim is is a skill too, I believe. But um, so what are the things you took away from the prelim swim? What time did you swim there? What did you take away from that? I think I was uh, 48, I think. Um, and all I, all I took from it was I, I went off just – um, a little too aggressive with my legs. Uh, my legs were 
on fire on the way home to where I, I couldn't even use them. So um, I just knew to go into semis to keep that same speed, about 22 high. And then, so then I have my legs coming back home. So about 10 meters out, I could speed into the wall with using my legs, get off quickly, and then just whatever you got left on the way home. Right. What was your best time before that? I imagine, was that your best time, 48.8? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, what was it before that? Uh, I think it was 48.9 from 2019 Nationals. Okay, okay. So um, you, had been, you had felt 48 pace before, so. Yeah, yeah. All right. So for semis, I went, I think I went a 48.5 or 48.6. Okay. So it was a little bit better. And then I knew once all I wanted was a link from semis, you know. What did you qualify after after the semi? Yeah, I think I got like I think I was tied for sixth. Okay. Coleman, Coleman, yeah. So, uh, yeah, I was tied for sixth, and I had a lane, which is all I really cared about. And then you know it all comes down to how how you feel on that that minute and that day. And uh, I just swam it as best as I could from prelims and semis. And, you know, my legs gave up the last, like, 15 meters because, you know, you, that's how it is. That's how it goes. But I uh, was able to get in touch fifth at a 48.2. Well, you go let, – let's take it back to the semi real quick just in terms of mentality because you go 48.6, you lose your legs at the end of the race, you swim a little bit quicker, but you, you felt like you made some adjustments. But you also know that that 48.6 isn't going to get you on the team. So at that stage – where are you looking? Are you looking at your competitors and saying, well, that's their strengths and weaknesses and maybe I can get them here? Or are you just staying locked in on what you can do specifically? Uh, I usually never care about what other people are ready to do. I know, you know, I know Caleb and Zach were going to be there and freaking send it and go 47. I know Zach's going to back half it and Caleb's going to be out in first in the first 50. So, I knew all that, but I don't really care about that kind of stuff. Like, obviously you can think about it, but when it comes down to race time, it's what you do. It's what you're ready to do. It's what you've been preparing for. It's, it's everything that you um, have been practicing for it. You know, you've done it a million times in practice. At least I have, you know, I do stand up sets all the time um, on Saturdays, just getting up and racing. So yeah. I, I don't believe in, in worrying about what this guy's going to go in finals or what that guy's going to do in semis. It's just a matter of beating up as many people as you can. Well, then talk to me about the final then. So how did it go in your mind? Um, talk me through the, the race just specifically. Well, I knew I was going to be slow off the blocks. Um, my, my, my starts were, were pretty bad throughout trials. It was just not something I was necessarily focusing on, which I should have. Um, so I knew I was going to be slow off the blocks, but I knew I could catch up. It was just going to be a catch-up game. But So I dove in. I remember just going right into my breathing pattern, which is about 4-2-2, mm -hmm. um, and just really focusing on keep, keeping that easy speed, right, um, using your adrenaline to help you out and uh, saving the legs. Um, and then about 15 meters out, I, I just, all I remember is just absolutely sending it with everything I had, keeping that breathing pattern, um, trying to be fast off that wall. Because as soon as I can get off that wall and start driving home, that's my best chance. 
Right. So you, you feel that the back end is where you're going to make your move? Technically, yes. In the moment, no. <laughs> um, <laughs> Obviously, there's you know Zach who can who can finish it in twenty four one or whatever you know I, I'm not quite there and that was my problem with I think taking nine or six months off and then trying to train for nine months is I didn't fully have what I needed to to go what I wanted to but at the same time I knew that I put in the work to get close enough to where I could stay with those guys and uh, so yeah. Really, the focus was just out swimming all as many as possible, because uh, I know the longer the race goes on, the better. Because um, I remember I was, you know, Dean Ferris in 2019 when I raced him in the hundred free at NCAA's. He's known as a 200 freestyler. He went 129, you know, fast as hell. Um, but I actually outsplit him on the the second 50 of the hundred. And I knew if I just had, you know, two more strokes, I could have had it. Mm. So I knew going into finals that I don't want that to happen. So whatever I need to do for those, like, last 25, do it. Uh, so I just, you know, in, in those type of moments, you just kind of, for me, I flash back to all the pain, all the hard work I've done, you know, my life. Um, how much I've had to deal with throughout my life and just send it uh, with with absolutely everything I could do. I remember I got out of the pool and I was seeing freaking black. I was in tunnel vision, you know, lack of oxygen. and uh, But I knew, like, I had given it everything I had had um, when I got fifth. So it wasn't quite a guarantee, but I, I kind of hoped that it was enough. What about this? When does the reality of the fact that you're part of an historic American relay team, you know, a relay team that has been dominant uh, for many years, you know, obviously it's had its challenges, um, but it is, it's the premier event when it comes to male racing for the U.S. You want to be on that men's 4 by one freestyle relay team. When does that reality hit for you? Uh, it probably didn't hit me until we got to the village and, uh, a couple days after we got into the village and, you know, everyone's looking at us doing relay exchanges. Like they're like, Oh shit. Okay. They're here. They're ready to play. Um, cause you know, I'm obviously I'm ecstatic over the whole thing. Um, but in reality, I was just focusing on myself. You know, I was working with Greg Troy. I was training with Caleb. And uh, I was just trying to fine tune those details because I knew my swimming was there. Uh, it was just a matter of cleaning some things up. You know, uh, I have a tendency to do stuff with my hands when I breathe. Um, tighter streamlines off the walls, basic, basic stuff. And that's all you really can work on in those short breaks yeah. um, between trials and Olympics. But yeah, that was. It, it, it's, it's just an honor to be on that relay with those guys and to be representing the U.S. Um, and to to take home the gold for the U.S. and for all those guys who've swam it before, you know, because I looked up to all of them, you know, Jason Lezak, Anthony Irvin, uh, Colin Jones, you know, they're all just such nice, nice guys. And 
I, I knew how much it meant for me, but not only for them and the U.S. And it was just very important for me to do as best as I possibly could. Didn't matter the time. Didn't. It doesn't even matter what I had to go as long as I beat everyone in the pool. Right. But when did you find out that you were swimming the morning relay? Like who was the, who told you that? Uh, Troy did. Um, we kind of knew it was going to be the four of us except for Caleb. So me, Brooks, Blake, and Zach. Uh, we didn't really know the order until a couple days before for sure, but we kind of practiced a little bit of everything just in case. Um, and uh, so, yeah, I kind of knew – for a while that I was going to be on the morning swim, no matter what got fifth at trials, you know, I could be, you know, the guy that they just stick on, make sure Caleb gets some rest. Um, so I didn't, I wasn't really worrying about that. You know, I was just making sure that I was doing my part in any way that I could to make sure that we had a lane for the top eight finals. Was there anyone that specifically said, um, you know, the top three guys are going through? Uh, did you know, like, just based on pure time, and did they give you a range of where you had to be or anything like that? No, they didn't give us any sort of range or anything like that. Um, we kind of just knew that it was going to be one guy, one guy was left out because right. I'm I'm thinking the only other guy that we possibly could have had on that relay is maybe Michael Andrew, right. and he's not really known for his hundred freestyles, and yeah. he, had, he had plenty of races throughout the meet. So yeah, we kind of knew that it was going to be just. Uh, one guy getting left out. Um, so I think deep down we all didn't want to be that one guy that got left out, but at the same time, it yeah. really didn't matter, you know? Yeah. yeah, yeah. So I guess, well, you're, you're pretty ecstatic. How did it feel to actually finally get in and compete for your country? Like, what's that feeling like when you're actually in the water? Uh, I don't know. I, I couldn't put it into words. You know, when you put on that U.S. cap, it's a whole different feeling. You know, I'm sure for any other country, when you put your cap on and it has your country country flag on it, it's, it's just such an honor. It humbles you. You know, you just uh, stop and think about it for a little bit, and you're just like, dang, that's awesome. So, yeah, yeah it's a big deal. What about this? Who, who then told you that you're on the finals relay, and, and when did you find out what position you were going to swim? Uh, probably probably like an hour after uh, took me about straight 30 minutes to warm down because I could barely walk after it. Uh, so I, I took about 30 minutes in the pool just to kind of loosen, get all the crap out. And uh, I found out probably an hour after my race, after I got a massage, they're like, all right, get, get some rest. Um, well, we're going to hit it at this time tomorrow. I'm like, I mean, I guess like I knew I, I was, the second fastest guy on the relay, but I just didn't really, I wasn't thinking about that. I was thinking about just recovering because, you know, Troy's like get in the water, go, go, go. So, um, yeah, I wasn't necessarily thinking about that. I was just focusing on myself, trying to, trying to get in the pool as soon as possible, really take care of myself the best way I could. Was it difficult to go to bed that night? Because finals are in the morning. So I guess it's, was it challenging to sleep that night? Yeah, I mean, I didn't get back until probably like 10, 45, 11 p.m. Um, Tokyo time. And I know I had to wake up at like 8 the next morning, and I was extremely caffeinated. I think I took like, you know, a scoop and a half of pre-workout before my race. So I had like 250 milligrams of caffeine running in me. Um, so I took, I tried to take some melatonin before bed. That helped a little bit, but I got, I got like it 
six hours of sleep. So it was enough to like call it a sleep. Um, but, uh, you know, I did everything I needed to do. I got 30 minutes of the swim down. I got a massage, um, ate some good food, and then just headed back, tried to get some sleep best you could. Obviously, it's hard with caffeine and melatonin mixing in your bloodstream, but mm. you make it work. Yeah. Well, you wake up next day, you swim in the Olympic final. Um, do you guys all uh, go to the pool together? How did how did that sequence work out? And, um, and, and then talk to me about being in the ready room for an event like that. Uh, we all kind of have our own little uh, schedules that we like. You know, you're, you're used to your pre-race schedule. Uh, some, some, some of them went and, you know, got uh, food a couple hours before we left. Some didn't. I only – I don't like to eat several hours before I swim. Uh, so I just had a cliff bar that morning just to make sure I had something in me to fuel something because um, I had a huge dinner the night before. But um, the, really, I don't think we planned anything. It was just, you know, be at the pool at this time, make sure you have plenty of time to just relax, get ready, do whatever you need to do pre-race. Yeah, yeah. Was, it, was there stress in the ready room? Was it, Do you guys eyeing each other off, uh, different teams? You know, surprisingly, everyone is pretty friendly. You know, you can tell there's nerves, just like there should be. Um, but, you know, once you get into that ready room, it's it's game time. Everyone's kind of put their game faces on. Um, I wouldn't say it's like a dog, dog fight, you know, where everyone's just like eyeballing each other. But uh, really, I think once you get into the ready room, people are just trying to focus on what they're about to do, um, what they need to do to, to go fast. Did you at that stage, because there's no crowd, there's no real atmosphere. I mean, there was people in the stands, no doubt. But did you feel the weight of the Olympics at that point? Did you know billions of people are watching you back home? Could you sense that? Um, not really something that's going through my mind at that point. I know people are watching. I know people are supporting. Um, but that's not something I, I really think about when I'm about to race It's something like that. I mean, I've never raced at something like that before, but that's not what I was thinking about. I was just thinking of more, you know, what I what I needed to do to serve my part in that one out of the four people, right? Yeah. Because um, I, I wasn't worried about the other guys. Um, just like Caleb said, you know, we're not worried about each other. We're worried about our swim. So yeah. I, I liked him saying that because I felt the same way. You know, I'm worried about what I can do and just showing up for my team when they need me. Well, I'm going to do a little different split screen here, mate. Uh, I know you got the medal with you, so show us the hardware, mate. Boom. Look at that. Oh, man. That's beautiful, hey? Yep. It's very heavy, too. <laughs> <laughs> wow. That's gorgeous, man. That's gorgeous. It's awesome. Olympic gold medalist for the rest of your life. Yeah, I also got this the other, like, five days ago. Oh, man. Look at that. There it's you kind go. Of, it doesn't look the best. <laughs> uh, I think you and Zach Apple got the same spot, huh? Yeah, I think him, uh, Zach, and uh, Michael, An uh, no, who was it? Andrew Wilson, they both got it on the right, the right okay. forearms and my right. left. So, yeah. yeah, but we're all getting it kind of in the same spots. Awesome. Well, congrats, man. Uh, massive effort. Uh, like I said, Olympic gold medalist for the rest of your life. No one's ever going to take that away from you. Swimming the finals. Yeah. Um, Huge effort, man. Uh, really exciting. Very happy for you. Incredible story. I mean, your life story is just insane. And 
for you to be there. Like I said, you shocked a lot of people, but um, I guess that's what you continue to do, man. So keep doing it. And uh, congrats. Happy for your family as well. I'm sure they're ecstatic. So th uh, this is obviously kickstarted something. You know, are we going to Paris? Uh, yeah, it, it lit a fire in my belly. I'm ready to go. So, <laughs> How old are you now? What? How old are you? I'm 24. Oh, yeah. You're young, man. Yeah. You got a couple of Olympics left in you. That's awesome. Yeah, so we'll we'll definitely try to go. It's only three years. I keep telling myself that. Everyone's like, it's only three years. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, I'm, I'm pumped to get back to work and uh, to keep showing people what they never thought I could do. Yeah. You know, all these swim sites are always like, uh, Bo Becker might be top 16, but he's not going to be anything. Oh, never mind. He's going to be Olympic gold medalist. <laughs> Dude, I didn't pick you. So, I mean, you like, and, and, and you've done some fitter and faster clinics for me too. So I knew, I knew you could do some work, but uh, man, you surprised everybody. Keep doing it. Uh, swimming for the Tokyo Frog Kings in a few weeks from now. So we'll be, we'll get to watch you there too. So um, you won't have time to get that big gut again this time around. So, yeah, no, no, thanks. I don't need to work that off again. That was awful. Uh, well, like I said, congrats, mate. Uh, thanks for sharing your story today, and uh, we'll see you in the future, all right? Absolutely. Thanks for having me, Brett. Thanks, Bo. Take care. Bye.